April's plant, which I promise not to knock over. This is a plant. I'm gonna knock this over. Uh, good morning, Merry Christmas. So, in case you hadn't noticed, this is the family service, which is kind of weird, right, um, compared to what we usually do, because we have one service instead of two, and we're all together, which means um, there's no childcare, <laughs> right, and no classes for the kids, um, and also we're all together, which means a lot of people are out of town, right? Um, so it kind of works, it's kind of different. So that means the kids get to be with us, some kids. Um, who are the kids who are here today? Anybody, kids? Let's hear from you, kids. Say woohoo if you're a kid. That's an adult. Um, but I see you. Um, so I can't speak for your parents, but for those of you guys, oh yeah, Nidegers, you guys wanna hear this, okay? So I can't speak for your parents, but if you can remember all three points, maybe they'll give you like an extra piece of all that Christmas candy that you probably got yesterday. Oh, see, I got some thumbs up. Yeah? So if you guys can remember all three points at the end, um, that assumes that your parents also remember the three points. And you, you know, they could just nod and be like, yeah, that's right. Um, so there might be a little extra volume this morning, and I think that's okay. I think that's good. I think that's a blessing. As a high school teacher, I don't like that because I like, like a classroom full of order, but as a parent, I'm totally used to that extra volume, and uh, it's a blessing to have um, all the kids with us. Let me pray real quick, and then we will talk about family. God, I thank you so much um, for Jesus. I thank you that we can worship you this morning. I thank you that we can hear and think about your word. I pray that you would teach us, that your spirit would be our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so there's a plant up here. Um, and I'm gonna talk about the plant. This is the plant. Um, it's one of April's plant babies. She says, I think it's weird to call them that. Um, Abby, can you come up here real quick? Okay. Um, so. This is a plant, and I wanna ask a question, and especially, yeah, if kids, if you guys wanna shout out answers, I'm totally okay with that, thanks. You can be the plant showcaser. You can just, you know, here's the plant. Um, so, what does the plant need? Okay, water, good. Sunlight, yes. Dirt, right? Soil is the, you know, but yeah, dirt, right? Um, dirt, okay, cool, anything else? Sun. Sun. You I know you wanna say a cat not eating it, right? Because this is why she calls it, she likes the plants more than she likes the cat. She wants to protect the plant from the cats. She's, she prefers the, the plant. Um, but it needs protection, right? It needs a place to not be uh, destroyed, protection from the elements. Um, and, and then we're good. Um, okay, and we have, here, we have here a human, a lovely human, okay, here, this is a human. Um, this is Aviel, she's not just some random human. Um, what does a human need? <laughs> Food, 
Water, I heard love. Care. Nutrition, not just candy, okay. Do they cover everything? Anything else you need? I said I wouldn't make you talk, sorry. Um, I think you covered it. Sunlight, okay, yes, sunlight, dirt, okay. We're talking about Abby now, not the plant. Okay, thank you, Abby. You can, you did an amazing job as a human. You can go back to your seat, thank you. Um, okay, so, very good. Very human-y. So um, we kind of have an idea, right, of what a human needs and what a, a plant needs. Um, since we're doing this family service this morning, I thought I'd talk about family and what a human needs. And uh, if I planted a plant and then hadn't watered it yet, uh, it would be incomplete. You'd, I would say, wait, this is not good. I put the seed in the soil, but it's not good. It's not finished. This needs to grow. It needs to be watered. It's not good that I haven't watered this plant. Um, it's not disease. Everything's great, but I just haven't finished it yet. I haven't watered it. And in a, in a similar way, I think when God made man, uh, he said, it's not good that man should be alone. And this isn't just about Adam needing Eve or a husband needing a wife or a wife needing a husband, though that's important. I think it's about humans needing other humans. Because if we think about all the things that Abby needs and every human needs, all the stuff we listed, in a way we get those things from other humans, right? Clothes, food, shelter, love, companionship, training, all that stuff we get from other humans. And so God gave us this family. He gave us the nuclear family, right? Where we have the, these, these, these two people that were, were born into this thing, sometimes more people, right? And then we have the broader human family that's supposed to work together in harmony to care for and provide for one another. And I think that's what God is pointing to when he says, it is not good that man should be alone. Even before sin, and everything he made is good. He says, this is not good because it's not finished yet. We need people. And so people, the family, and the broader human family, we provide for each other's needs, and we care for one another in perfect harmony all the time. Right? Um, oh, the naivety. See, yeah, kids are like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. But you guys know that's not, your, your mileage varies with this, Right? in your home and in the broader human family, we do not care for one another well. And this is what happens in Genesis three. And what happens, we see just sort of descending and spiraling down into chaos. And so we might say, oh, those three points. We might say a human needs a family. That might be the first one. A human needs a family, but we would also probably say that a family does not meet a human's needs. Not well, not correctly. It doesn't seem to work well. And so we see the family of Adam and Eve just descend into darkness. Um, even in, the, in, in, we see blame and shame and anger. We see their children where Cain murders Abel. And then God says, well, I'm gonna pick a family from all the families of the earth, and this is, this is the way that I'm gonna redeem the human family through Abraham's family. And so Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their family are just awful, right? They get so bad 
that Jacob's sons hate their brother Joseph so violently that they're this close to murdering their own brother until um, one brother, right, Judah, says, well, at least we can make some money if we sell him as a slave. And so this is the story of what we see throughout the Bible. Um, Psalm 14 that, that Paul quotes uh, has a pretty, pretty bleak picture of this. He says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt, they do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There's none who does good, not even one. So God looks on the human family. He looks on these people that are supposed to function together and he says, where are the, where are the righteous ones? Nothing, nothing. That's not funny, Peregrine. <laughs> My two-year-old is laughing at this. This is not funny, okay? Um, and we experience this, right? To some degree or another, we experience this in our lives, in our homes, sometimes in terrible ways and sometimes in small ways. Um, but Proverbs talks about the misery of when the brokenness of sin is something we live with in a really yucky way in our homes every day. And so I wanna quote a couple of these Proverbs. Um, one says, better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. <laughs> so better to have like almost nothing to eat, but there's like this peace and quiet, than you have all this wealth and all this food, but you're all fighting. He says um, something similar, he says, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it, right? Better to have, you know, dinner of herbs, which sounds like, you know, I can just picture someone with like a fork and knife cutting like, I don't know, some like parsley or something, right? And they're like, ah, right? And like that's your dinner, but at least like there's peace and there's love as opposed to this big meal, all this wealth, but there's hatred in the home, right? Living with that, um, if you have experienced this, someone in your home where there's really strife, it's like, it's like something under your fingernail, right? It's not just a, a painful thing that's there, but it's like constant, it's persistent, you can't escape it. I wanna read two more of these about the, the difficulty of living with um, a difficult wife, but before you go crazy on this, Kirsten, just like, hold on, okay? I'm not specifically attacking women here. Listen to what the proverb says. It says, it is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Better to be up on the roof in the corner than have to live with a difficult wife. And again, it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Um, now, why attack the wives? Okay, I'm not saying you'll be a fretful wife. I, you understood, well, okay. Um, why, because probably this is a father talking to his son saying, son, your mother and I, yes, this, we're, we're involved in the choosing of your spouse, these arranged marriages, right? And this is why it's so important that you, you, know, you, you marry this type of woman and not this type of woman. 
Son, it's not that we want to ruin your happiness. We don't want you to be miserable for the rest of your life. So you could easily say that it's miserable to live with a fretful and quarrelsome husband or father or mother or child or sibling or uncle, right? Or roommate. Living with somebody who you have to daily remember that, oh yes, we're sinful, broken human beings is difficult. Uh, it's, it's painful. And to some extent, we're all experiencing that, even if we live with lovely people. And so God designed us, right, to have this family that meets our needs, but then the family does not meet human needs. So what are we supposed to do? I think, uh, in a way, perhaps we're asking the wrong question. So if I look at this plant and I say, what does the plant need, or I look at Avi and say, what does Avi need? What does a human need? I'm assuming something. If I completed the question, you're understanding my question, what does this plant need to survive, right? And what does this human need to survive? So most everybody said water and food first, right? Because that was the question you understood me to be asking. That's the way I framed it. But if I said, what is this house plant for? And we took it and we put it in an empty house where no one lives and we programmed like a Roomba to water it. And so it, nobody, you know, it just, it's growing. We wouldn't, is the house plant really serving its purpose? What is the, what is the purpose of a house? Maybe, April, you can help me understand. What is the purpose of all the house plants? What is it, guys? To, to enjoy, right? Um, you're bringing a little bit of life and greenery from outside into your home so that you can see and enjoy it and ultimately glorify God for it, just like all the beauty that we enjoy, we glorify God for. Well, what's the purpose of a human? Not just to live for a little while, to grow up, to eat, to have food, shelter, clothes, and then die. We know that we're more than that. We have deep, God-sized longings, right? For meaning and purpose and significance and relationship and happiness and joy. Longings that are often unfulfilled. And so what do we do? We take and we fill them with other things other than God. And God says, that's sin, that's idolatry. When instead of looking at God, we look at these other things and we worship them and we think they will make me eternally happy and they make us happy for like an hour, right? Perfect for after Christmas, right? The longings that you had for Christmas presents, kids, right? They were so important, but they just fade away. Right, if I ask you two years ago what you got for Christmas, I, wouldn't, I would say two years, because I know for my kids, if I ask you last year, you still remember, because it was significant. But if two years, you might be like, I don't remember what I got two years ago. And so God calls us to turn away from looking to other things and to look to him. So the third thing, kids, third point, is humans need God. Oh, that's smart, Ellie, writing it down, huh? Okay, no? Oh, you just have a pen, you're drawing. Okay. Um, so humans need a family. A family does not meet a human's needs, though. Humans need God and his family. So 
God doesn't abandon this plan of using other humans to meet our needs, right? This is what we celebrate at Christmas, that God became a human to meet our needs. Not just, he didn't come to just give us food, right? Jesus didn't just come to feed the 5,000. He came to say, no, the food is not the point. I am the bread of life. I am God's provision for you. And this is why he became a man. Paul says that Jesus died so we can become part of God's family. I wanna read that from Galatians 4. He says, but when the, this is Galatians 4, verse four, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. He's saying you become sons and daughters of God, that Jesus died to make us a part of his family, to give us the freedom of knowing God and to be an heir of God. This is the family that God wants to bring us into, and it doesn't replace our biological family, but we do need this spiritual family, this Christian family, this family in God, we need it because there are unmet needs in the human family. In our own and in the broader human family at large, we don't have what we need, it's full of sin. This, the same thing happens to a, to a plant. Um, I, I looked up disease, diseases for plants, I have no idea. Um, and I was like, do, do house plants get d- diseases? And I looked it up and I was like, oh, maybe this is a bad illustration because the, the website I found said that um, this article is designed to help you with your house plants and it'll help you identify the problem and solve it. And I was like, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's not like sin, maybe it's really easy. Then the first one they had listed was root or stem rot. And it says, um, under the section of what do you do if you identify that your plant has root or stem rot, it says, unless you are able to root uh, unaffected cuttings from the affected plant, sometimes the best course of action is to throw the plant with root rot away and start anew. Often, by the time the plant shows symptoms of the disease, the root system is infected and cannot be saved. I was like, wait, this is a great article about helping you solve your problem. It says, if you see this problem, throw it away, right? So God looks at our problem, right? And we look at our problem and we could say, we can't solve this. We can't root out sin out of our family or out of the human family. But this is a problem that God can solve. And so God sent his son to become a man, to die for us, to make us a part of his family, to adopt us so we could call God our father. This is pretty radical. I want you to hear um, what Jesus says about us being his family. And there's something, I don't know, I imagine being there for this um, as one of Jesus' followers. And there's something kind of magical about it. Because I imagine if I'm there, I mean, people from all different backgrounds, you're following Jesus, and while Jesus is speaking, um, behold, his mother and brothers stood, out, stood outside asking to speak with him. 
So Jesus' mother, Mary, and his brothers, who at this point were not part of Jesus' family spiritually, they didn't believe in him yet. And they're saying, hey, Jesus, we need to talk to you, maybe talk you out of this madness. I don't know. But we're here to see you. We need to talk to you. And somebody comes and tells him, Jesus, pause. Your family is outside. And Jesus, in the hearing of everybody and all his followers, says to him, says to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. What kind of kingdom is this where the king who's the savior, who's also God, calls us brother and sister. This is a kingdom where we're not just servants of the king and citizens of the kingdom. This is a kingdom where we're family. So what do we do with this? We're members of one another, Paul says. We're like a body, we need each other, like different parts of the body, we're one organism. What do we do? Um, Well, I don't mean to this morning minimize the reality of whatever pain you've experienced in your own family, because that might be really significant. But what I'm saying is, is that points you to a need for for something more. If you're here this morning and you're not part of God's family, then I think there's a clear message for you that we're saying there's something that you need that God designed you for, that Jesus came and died for us so we could experience forever. And there's people throughout this room who would love to talk to you or pray for you or with you about that. Uh, people, some people here who have been following Jesus for a year, some people who've been following Jesus for 50 years or more. And we would love to pray for you. But for everyone else, you're part, if you're part of God's family, you've committed yourself to Jesus Christ, what do you do with this reality then? How is it supposed to affect how you function? Well, um, if you look at the way this building is designed, it points upwards, right? We're all kind of pointed forwards, a little bit inward and upwards so that we can direct our eyes and our minds to worship God when we walk into this room, right? That's the point. Um, But there's something else happening here where we're sitting with one another and singing together worshiping God. There's a family element that's really important. Obviously would not spoil anything, but when I saw Spider-Man recently, um, I went with a large group of people, which was, was really fun for me. And there's some key moments in the movie where when things happen, again, no don't spoil people, okay? Don't be that person. But there's things that happened that everybody, everybody screamed, or not, you know, some people screamed, and then you hear other people screaming, and it's like we're, we're enjoying something special together. And in a way, that's what we're doing when we're worshiping. So as we think about our family here, I know we're not all here this morning. I wanna do something a little weird, if you don't mind. Could you guys stand real quick? And that's not the weird part, the weird part's coming. Um, All right, so 
I mentioned we all kind of face forward. It's normal for you guys to look at me while I'm talking, but for whatever reason, it's not normal to look at other people. So look at other people. You might, don't just like see you over there, but maybe like turn and see, okay, these people around you, look at them. These are your brothers and your sisters. Oh, you guys are waving, that's nice. This is your family. If you guys see people up in the balcony up there and the sound, hey, we're all together in one room and we're a family. Okay, I won't make you be awkward forever. You can have a seat. But friends, we are a real family who have real needs. These kids, a couple of them are here today with us. They need guidance, trust me, okay? (laughs) They need, and I don't mean that in an insulting way, kids. They need people to provide an example for them. Um, They need guidance and, and, and someone to show them the way of what it means to not just be a human, but to follow Jesus. And teenagers, a few of them are here today. Most of them are not with us today. As a high school teacher, man, they really need you. They need you so bad. Um, The kids that I've seen, sorry, students I've seen, high school students I've seen that are struggling and having a hard time, almost to a one. The ones who are really having a hard time, there's, there's, it's not functioning at home the way it should. And I don't say that, I mean, it doesn't mean if your teenager's having a hard time, it's your fault. But what I'm saying is they need a family. They need parents, they need grandparents, they need an aunt and uncle, they need an older brother, an older sister. And our own families just can't do it often. Right, we could give everything we have and it's not enough. My kids, my, my wife and I can give everything we have to you guys and it's not enough. You need these people. And if you're older and you're still single, there's this feeling like, oh, well, these, these people that are single, we need to find them a spouse. And this is what people do and as Christians, I think we do this too and it's sometimes not so good, right? Um, we're like, you know what you need? You need, a, you need a wife, you need a husband. What if, maybe it's okay that they're single. They need us, and we need them. And for the older adults, we need them too. We need them to show us the way, and they might need us to care for them. We need to devote ourselves to one another like we're really family. Maybe we haven't experienced that that much in our home, but we get the chance to experience it in God's family today, this year, and for all eternity. Because we get to be a family forever on the new earth with our God. We're not just gonna be looking at God and try to awkwardly not see each other. We're gonna form this fully redeemed human family where everybody's our brother and sister and there's no more sin. And that newness of God's plan we get to experience in our church right now. Let's commit ourselves to it and ask God um, to lead us in it. Let's pray. Father, we confess that um, we know we need other people. We could just try to avoid other people because they've hurt us, but we know we need them. 
But God, we also know that they don't meet our needs the way they should. We need you. We thank you so much for Jesus that he died to make us a part of your family, that we can call you Father. God, would you help this church, our church, to experience the full reality of what it means to be your children and to call each other brother and sister, that we might offer that to Whittier and to the world. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.